0: So raise your hand if back in November, you predicted we'd be sitting here starting week three of the Big 12 basketball season with Texas Tech and Kansas State tied for first place in the Big 12. Anyone? Bueller, I I know, know you're lying to me, so do not even try to pull that off because I know you're lying. There's no way you had that back in November. When Texas Tech was getting blasted by Villanova, and Kansas State was losing games to Nebraska, and had all the drama off the court, Naquan Tomlin, everything else, you would not have predicted that. But here we are with those two teams after the third Saturday of Big 12 conference play, sitting at four and one and tied for first place in the Big 12, ahead of Houston, ahead of Kansas. Fill in the blank. They've got everybody right now. Now, I'm not predicting this is how it's going to finish. I'm just saying this league is beyond unpredictable. I'm Pete Mundo, by the way. Welcome in. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is how you find us, covering the Big 12. The website is HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And uh, we would love for you to hop on there, join our free message boards at the top of the homepage. And as always, hit that subscribe button right below you on YouTube and of course, on the podcast as well. Um, thank you for being here. Appreciate you being a part of the show. So, you look at Saturday, and it was upset Saturday in the Big 12. You had seven games, and you had multiple underdogs end up winning those games. First off, West Virginia, obviously the biggest upset of the day, beating number three Kansas 91 85. Um, you had Oklahoma. Upsetting Cincinnati on the road, 69-65. Even though you're thinking, hey, what do you mean it's an upset? OU's ranked, Cincinnati's not. Cincinnati was favored by anywhere from four to five points going into that game at home. And then you had Iowa State upsetting TCU in Fort Worth, hanging on for dear life, by the way, 73-72. So let's talk about the biggest upset of the day, and that's Kansas losing at West Virginia. I don't want to take anything away from West Virginia. I really don't. This game is monumental for Josh Eilert. Everyone's assuming that he's a guy who's basically a dead man walking as a coach. But this is the kind of game that can give you as a coach the confidence you need and also give your team the confidence they need to actually build something this season within this program. And you look at two of the last three games for West Virginia. They've beaten Texas. And they've beaten Kansas. Now, yes, at home, I understand they are a much better home team than they are a road team, but that was the case under Bob Huggins. Morgantown's a tough place to get to, and it's a tough place to play. That arena was rocking yesterday in Morgantown. It was an absolutely outstanding scene. And I tweeted this out from the Heartland College Sports account yesterday. West Virginia winning is just good for the Big 12. I don't care if it's football, if it's basketball. You know, the baseball program's now pretty good. I don't care what it is. Intramural beer pong. Like, West Virginia being good at athletics is good for the Big 12 because it's such a great brand, and it has such a great scene in Morgantown, and the fan base is just electric. And, you know, a lot of Big 12 fans, I remember this because I have ties back to the old Big East days. When West Virginia was like, you know, in the mix, top ten team in football, Steve Slayton, Pat White, those guys, when they were humming along in basketball in the old Big East days, it was an incredible scene, and it still is. And you got a glimpse of that on Saturday against Kansas. And to think that this team is not even full strength, Jesse Edwards is not back. um, You know, there might be hope for West Virginia. I'm not going to sit here and predict they're tournament ready yet, but there might be hope for the Mountaineers. The other issue for Kansas, it feels like they're just playing four on five. They have no depth. And down the stretch, West Virginia just out toughed them. You know, there's a couple of times, uh, one really, one moment sticks out to me late in that game when West Virginia's at the free throw line. I forget who it was, but then the free throw, I gosh, no, it was um, Slazinski was at the free throw line, and he misses the free throw, but he gets his own rebound because Furphy just got manhandled. He didn't box out the free throw shooter. Johnny Furphy, and, and listen, I get it. He's a freshman that happens, but it's that kind of toughness that Kansas is lacking right now. It's Hunter Dickinson, and yes, there's some you know solid play around him with McCullough and Adams, but there's no depth. And that shows up more so in road games than it does in home games. And that's what you're seeing from Kansas right now. I mean, Kansas is a, is a bounce away, an arguably bad call away from being 2-3 and three in league play when you really think about it. I mean, that TCU game was a total coin flip. So Kansas is not the team yet that we thought they were capable of being, but also the big call is just such a beast you can lose to any of these teams right now. That's how good this league is. So, credit to Josh Eiler, credit to West Virginia, and uh, Kansas is going to have to grind out some wins this year. This is not going to be one of those years where Kansas runs away with the Big 12. There's no way. Now, uh, look at some of the other upsets Oklahoma, Cincinnati. You know, early on, I'm watching that game, and I'm saying to myself, OU's in for a long afternoon. They were struggling shooting. They didn't really. It looked like the big men for Cincinnati. Bandago was really making it difficult for them on the boards and down low. You know, we know that Cincinnati has a a huge lineup. They've got the big guys, and you've got to figure out how to work around them. Throw in, of course, um, you know, the kid from Russia, and, and you've got an issue on your hands if you don't know how to work around them. And. OU's strength is really its guard play, and the guards were struggling early on. But as the game went on, OU was able to get more comfortable. You saw that play out in that game, and they actually end up out rebounding Cincinnati, which is a testament to the way that that front court and that back court stepped up, by the way. In a three guard lineup with Uzon, Owe, and McCullum, you had those guys combined for nearly 15 rebounds. And yes, Moore had himself, he just missed a double double, but he had himself a very good game down low. Jalen Moore, the big man from Alabama uh, for the Sooners. You know, he's undersized at six foot seven, but he's a big guy, and he was able to take care of a lot of business down low, and that helped Oklahoma throughout this entire game. So, OU, which was sitting there going in as an underdog on the road, Cincinnati is a very good environment, they were able to pick up a very nice win. And uh, move to three and two in Big 12 play while Cincinnati drops to two and three. And that's a theme, by the way. You look at this league, let me just put this into perspective for you, right? There's 14 teams in the Big 12. And out of the 14 teams in the Big 12, 11 of them are three and two or two and three. That is insane. Texas Tech is four and one, Kansas State's four and one, and Oklahoma State's zero and five. Everybody else is three and two, or two and three. That's the Big Twelve basketball scene in a nutshell this year, and that's how it's going to be. And that's why, you know, I'm thinking thirteen games might end up winning you this league in 2024 in the regular season. That's how stacked and that's how tight these games are going to be all season long. Now, the third upset of the day was one that got a lot closer than it should have been late, and that was uh, Iowa State hanging on for dear life against TCU 73-72 in Fort Worth. So this, this game is about two things. One, Iowa State holding on, but then also the play of Curtis Jones, who got the start at point guard with Taman Lipsy out of the game. And Curtis Jones steps into this game, and he racks up seven steals, which matches an Iowa State record. And the Cyclones lead the way. They had a nearly 20-point lead in the first half. They forced 18 first-half turnovers. Think about that. Um, And they looked like they were going to run away with this thing. But TCU had a couple of big runs in them after the break. Um, They made the comeback. But of course came up just short. But I look at the way Iowa State played this game, forcing 27 TCU turnovers. That's the most ever in a single game during Jamie Dixon's tenure. And the replacement for Tamman Lipsy, Curtis Jones, was a big reason why with his seven steals. So Iowa State, you know, hangs on for dear life for that victory. Curtis Jones becomes—I mean, listen, Iowa State fans knew him, but to other Big 12 fans, becomes more of a household name because you're thinking, gosh, Iowa State could be behind the ball here. TCU was favored by about four points going in. And Curtis Jones steps right in and says, I got this. We're good. And had himself a great game. 17 points to go along with those seven steals and four assists. So it was a very impressive performance from him. Huge reason why Iowa State picked up that win— And, uh, you know, for TCU, listen, TCU was ranked in the top 20 last week, and now they've lost two straight games by a combined five points at Cincinnati and then home to Iowa State. Like, this is the Big 12. When you start to feel good about a team like TCU, you can easily drop two in a row, and they're a combined five points. And then you're like, well, how good is TCU? I think they're still really good, but I almost wonder if the Big 12 is too good for its own good. Like, i felt this way for a long time. The Big 12 is what the SEC thinks it is in football. Big 12 basketball is what the SEC thinks it is in football. Let that sit for a second. The Big 12 is actually stacked top to bottom. The SEC is not. The SEC in football, yeah, they've got some great teams at the top, but there's a lot of mediocrity and crap at the bottom. Big 12 basketball, look at what we just saw. West Virginia, who we thought was going to be one of the worst two teams in the Big 12, just upset Kansas, and we're, in hindsight, not all that shocked by it. Find me Vanderbilt beating Georgia in football. It ain't happening, right? Mississippi State and Alabama ain't happening. That's not the case when it comes to the Big 12 basketball scene, especially this season. And that's what makes this such a wild ride. Now let's dive into uh, some of the other games here. UCF and Houston. Houston blasts UCF 57-42. UCF was historically bad in that first half. UCF had 14 points in the first half. They shot 12.5%. They ended the game shooting 15.9% from the field. Those are the worst shooting splits in a game in Big 12 history. That's how bad it was. I mean, it was a dominant defensive performance from number 5 Houston, who, listen, we understand that's the best defense in the Big 12. That's what Kelvin Sampson has built that team on. Uh, That's what they've been this season. That's what they're going to continue to be. You know that. But I didn't see a 16% shooting from the field for the game, but it was brutal. It was a combination, yes, of UCF struggling, but also Houston playing that lockdown defense that we know that they are capable of. So that game was over early on. It was clear that Houston was running away with this thing, and uh, that's what they did. And now Houston's 3-2. and two. So Houston starting to get itself back on track, at least that's how it feels. They won two games this week. They blew out Texas Tech. Um, they beat UCF. But now they got a tough test. They got to go on the road this week to take on BYU, who's much better at home, it seems. And then it's Kansas State on Saturday. Kansas State right now sitting in first place in the Big 12 Conference. So go figure. Uh, Okay. Texas taking care of Baylor 75 73. It's not an upset, even though you think, well, Baylor's ranked in the top 10, and. TCU or uh, Texas is not ranked, but technically Texas was favored by two points in this game. So it's not an upset. People will look at it and assume it's an upset, but it's not an upset. So this game for Texas, do we want to start off the court with the drama or do you want to start on the court? On the court, Jalen Bridges hits a big three-pointer to tie the game. And then with five seconds left, Tyrese Hunter takes it the length of the floor and ends up scoring the game-winning bucket as time expired. Horrible defense by Baylor on that final play. You allow a guy like Tyrese Hunter to get the ball on the run. He's got five seconds. That's plenty of time to go the length of the floor. It's not like we're talking two and a half, three seconds where he's chucking up a a half-court shot or a long three. Five seconds is an eternity. You allowed the best player on the court, to get the ball in stride and take it the length of the floor. That's a terrible job. I think Baylor assumed after that Bridges three, they were going to OT. And obviously that wasn't the case. So Texas, with its back against the wall, got a win it desperately needed against Baylor at home. Um, That's a tough loss for Baylor. You would have liked to push that game to OT, but Texas was the more desperate team in that game. Um, But then there's the off court. So you have Rodney, well, (laughs) let's just start off with this. Let's start with what he said after the game. Rodney Terry, after the game, apologized for his emotional reaction to UCF going horns down following UCF's upset against Texas from earlier in the week. He apologized to Texas fans and alums for kind of how he acted after that, and he was right to do so. That's nice. But Rodney Terry the same guy who admonished UCF just a few days earlier for saying that they don't act when they win like they just won a national championship. Did you see Rodney Terry's reaction after Tyrese Hunter's game winner? He was jumping up and down like a little schoolgirl who had just won the national championship. Literally three days ago, He was browbeating UCF for how it reacted to beating Texas. And then Rodney Terry, who was favored in the game, wins the game on the last second bucket and starts jumping up and down on the sidelines on the game-winning shot. And good for him. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't think twice about it. If he didn't act like such an absolute baby and clown in words, I don't want to say because I want to be family-friendly, but you can fill in the blank as you so please. Uh, He's acting like that. 3 days ago You got to be kidding me. That's why if you're if you're Rodney Terry, if you're a coach at any level, don't play that game. All you end up doing is embarrassing yourself, and that's exactly what he did. I I just it's unbelievable the lack of self-awareness that Rodney Terry has had this past week. And he looks like such a buffoon acting the way he did days after he admonished UCF for acting the way they did, which wasn't even all that bad at all. Let's see how um, Texas feels when they get some horns down this week and Norman coming up in a couple of days. That'll be a lot of fun, I'm sure. So time to put on those big boy pants, Rodney Terry. All right, let's get ready. Meantime, uh, two other games. BYU losing at Texas Tech 85-78. to So BYU was in complete control of this game. They were hitting every three-pointer from anywhere they wanted to all over the court. I mean, this is what BYU does, right? When BYU is playing well, they're chucking up the three and they're hitting the three. And I don't mean chucking up in a bad way. But listen, BYU has taken 609 three-pointers this year. That's 150 more than anybody else in the Big 12. Oklahoma State is second in three-pointers attempted at 457. BYU has taken 609 three-pointers. That's nearly double the amount of three-pointers of Kansas. They've taken 321 this season. BYU has taken 609. Put that into perspective. All right? I mean, that's crazy. So BYU scored 48 points in the first half. They were up 16 points. I mean, they couldn't miss. I I was like, all right, I'm going to turn the game off and see what's going on with the NFL playoff games because I was like, that one's over. BYU's got the hot hand. And then the second half happened. And Texas Tech locked down. And by the way, Pop Isaacs went off. Pop Isaacs had 20 points in the second half. And that big three-pointer he hit from the left wing with a couple of minutes left was just, man, that was beautiful. It was, um, they had numbers. He steps into it, left wing, drains it. At that point, I think he had cracked the 20-point mark in the second half. Pop Isaacs finished with 32 on the night, 11-19 and from the floor, 6-9 of from three-point range. He was money, especially over the final 20 minutes. Um, Now, I still think the offense is too reliant on him for Texas Tech. But listen, that arena as well. I mean, you go on the road to Lubbock. I saw that Big Game Boomer tweeted this out. uh, And if you are on Twitter, you know Big Game Boomer. He tweeted out that uh, Texas Tech has the second best home atmosphere in the Big 12 after K-State. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, Listen, I've been at Allen Fieldhouse. It's a great atmosphere. Texas Tech looks like it's got an incredible atmosphere, by the way. But um, either way, it's a tough place to play in Lubbock, and it has been for the last few years when it comes to basketball. Great atmosphere in there, and BYU clearly was feeling that in the second half. And if they're not hitting those three-pointers, listen, it's going to be tough sledding for BYU, and that's exactly what ended up happening. And Texas Tech got hot at the absolute right time. So uh, there you have it on that front. By the way, If you're joining the show, hit the like button if you could on YouTube. If you're just hopping on, that would be great. I appreciate you guys doing that. Great way to help this show grow and also subscribe. Um, That way you never miss a show. We've got plenty of Big 12 basketball and, of course, off-season football coverage right here on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks for joining us and being a part of the show. So that's where we're at right now in that game. And Texas Tech, with that comeback win, is, as I noted, tied for first place in the Big 12 Conference. And the other team tied for first place is Kansas State. Now, it looked like Oklahoma State was finally going to get its first win of conference play. They let it halftime. But credit to Jerome Tang. And what Jerome Tang has done with this team. With all the drama from the non-conference, you lost some bad games like Nebraska. The Nacon Tomlin thing was up in the air. Uh, suddenly you are just seeing this team come together and do what it needs to do to end up winning some of these games. It was far from a great game for Kansas State. It wasn't. I mean, Oklahoma State's not a very good team at all, but... Kansas State came back and took care of business and won the game against Oklahoma State in a game that, uh, listen, of all the games on the slate, it was not the one that you would sit there and say to yourself, gosh, I I can't wait for the Kansas State-Oklahoma State game. And that's no offense to either team. It's just kind of how we all felt about this game. And, you know, you're sitting there, and its I want to say it was like at about the 12-minute mark, 12, 13-minute mark, Kansas State's down seven. And you're like, okay, and and Oklahoma State kind of held that lead. They were still, Kansas State was still down seven at the under eight timeout. And then, all of a sudden, things started to turn. There were some turnovers in Oklahoma State. Uh, Kansas State started to get momentum. They were hitting their free throws as well. Uh, They were hitting some big threes. Cam Carter started to get hot. As well, he had a big three-pointer that put him up with about three minutes left. So suddenly it just started clicking um, at the right time offensively for this Kansas State team. And it was clear that they had the confidence of a team that expected to win this game. And that's in large part what this came down to. One team that knows how to win, that is a coach who knows how to win, that expects his team to win. And another coach in Mike Boynton who hopes his team can win. That was on full display, the final seven, eight minutes of that game between Kansas State and Oklahoma State. And yeah, I mean, certainly it was tied with, uh, what, a minute left? Like, I I get it. Some of you guys are saying that right now on the the show. But it started at about that seven-minute mark. If you go back and watch the game, that's when the comeback started for Kansas State. And I, I don't know. To me, it felt like at the under four timeout, this game was going to be Kansas State's. Just they had the momentum. They had this thing trending in the right direction. Oklahoma State doesn't know how to close out games. Heck, they're 0-5 in league play. They're 8-10 overall. So all in all, you have a Kansas State team that takes care of business, that ends up coming back to win this game. They took care of their free throws down the stretch, and that was good enough. And that's what led them to victory. So let's get to some of your comments, uh, by the way. Matthew says, let's go Mountaineers, time for a run. I hope they can make a run for your sake. I mean, listen, in this league, here's the good thing. The good thing about this league is that you're playing ranked teams almost every night. But West Virginia has a couple of very winnable games. Now, they're on the road, and the road is always tough in the Big 12. But they have games this week at UCF, at Oklahoma State, and then they're home to Cincinnati and home to BYU. And BYU's got to travel across the entire darn country. So these are four games. It's a great point. These are four games, though, that if West Virginia is serious about turning around a season, it's got to start now. Here's the pr- if you want a problem, though, especially looking at that BYU game in uh, next week— West Virginia's three-point defense is the second worst in the Big 12 right now. So that's going to be problematic when you take on a BYU team that is just bombs away from three-point land. So that's got to improve. But you're right. That's a very good point there, Matthew. Things can start turning around real fast. Allen says, I still have Houston winning the Big 12. Wouldn't shock me at all. Not one bit. Um... Mike says, with all due respect, Pete, Texas Tech is on top of the Big 12 right now. 15-3 and three versus 14-4. and four. Oh, come on. Uh, we're talking about conference play. I understand what you're saying about the overall record, but the non-con, let's just talk about conference standings. That's what matters. Um, that's how we got to have this conversation. What else do we have here on the text line? Do-do-do-do. Adam says, say what you want about Pete. He's better than John biden Kurtz. <laughs> no comment, no comment, no comment. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Craig, don't underestimate the Cats. I'm not underestimating the Cats. I, listen, I just want to see the rest of the season play out. It's still very early. And you look ahead, you got Cincinnati and Kansas on Big Monday. Uh, that's going to be on Monday night. And then Tuesday night, is a really intriguing slate. Texas at Oklahoma. West Virginia at UCF. Houston and BYU. That's at BYU. And TCU goes to Oklahoma State. And then Wednesday is uh, Kansas State at Iowa State, which is a really good game. That could be, you know, winner of that game is tied for first place in the Big 12. So uh, it is going to be another incredible week in this league, and I cannot wait to see how it all plays out. It's going to be awesome. I'm Pete Mundo. Thank you guys uh, for being here and joining us on the show. Please do hop on our free message boards. If you're a diehard Big 12 basketball fan, you want to be on the message boards. They're free. We're there all the time. We're interacting with our uh, fellow Big 12 fans. And, of course, subscribe to the show, hit that thumbs up, and never miss an episode. If you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie, what do you do? Leave me a rating and a review on iTunes and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thank you guys for helping us continue to grow this show. We so appreciate you. Have a great rest of the day and we'll talk to you soon. Go Big 12. Take care.